Hello, welcome to the Inside Scoop, everything you need to know for your students to succeed in the Cobb County School District. I'm David Owen. Today's episode is Back to School, everything you need to know for day one in a middle school. I'm joined by two guests today. From Griffin Middle School is Paul Gillahan, and Laura Montgomery is the principal from Hightower Trail Middle School. Welcome. Welcome, David. We Thank figure. You figure that uh, if anybody knows anything about the first day of school in a middle school, it's the principals. So uh, you guys have graciously uh, given us your time. Cobb County has some 25 middle schools throughout the county. How many students does that represent in, in your school, Laura? I have right at 1,100 students. Okay, that's a lot of people. It is a lot of people. Now, when you take that plus the faculty, we're somewhere around 1,250, around 1,300 people when school gets opened. My goodness. What about you, Paul? We have 1,400, a little over 1,400 students and about 125 faculty staff. So about 15, 25. We're the Mm -hmm. second largest middle school in Cobb. Goodness gracious. That's a lot of people to manage. I guess you have to hire well to make that happen. We try. All right. So let's let's back up. And we're talking about the first day of school, Mm -hmm. but really and truly, the first day of school doesn't just happen. No. (laughs) As soon as school lets out, you guys, just about, you guys have a little little cheer, I'm sure, that you've completed a successful <laughs> school year, and then you move straight into getting ready for the next one. Tell us a little bit, Paul, about uh, what you do just as soon as the previous school year is over. Well, actually, it starts before the school year is over. We start really? hiring our staff uh, usually around March. Uh, we'll start hiring for the next year. We'll start making a plan for summer uh, if we have summer school. Uh, if we don't, what we're going to do with the building as far as custodial staff, we start doing room allocation. If teachers are moving rooms and what needs to be done for that. And then just setting the strategic plan for the next year and getting that focus in because you have to start early in order to have everything ready for that first day of school. Oh, sure. So it starts Probably around January, February, you start thinking and planning. And then when school's out, yes, you give a cheer that the kids are gone for a little while, um, but you're going to miss them, but they're gone. And then you start actually getting the work done. So you're looking forward to the next year while perhaps learning lessons from the previous year? Yes. Always learning and reflecting on mm-hmm. the previous year. What about you, Laura? And I agree with Paul. That's exactly what goes on at Hightower, too, that... Uh, one of the bigger things, too, that we immediately begin planning is how are we going to get kids into the building over the summer to alleviate some of the stress that rising sixth graders in particular might have. Uh, so we start working with the PTSA about what dates can we open the school. We run a camp in in May for rising sixth graders, and they come and spend a half a day at the school and, and go through the school. And then we also start talking about dates, what we call sneak a peek, and I'm sure mm-hmm. that Paul has something yes. very similar to that making those kinds of plans to get children and parents into the building to allow them to walk through, to meet, to see people, to see their friends. Where are their friends? Where's my homeroom? Where's my locker? Uh, How do I get from sixth grade to the lunchroom? You know, we try Mm -hmm. to get all of that stuff settled before school actually starts. Because middle schoolers have a lot more independence than elementary schoolers. 
they they need more independence. They don't necessarily walk into the building with that skill developed. And that's one of the things that we specifically work on in sixth grade at the beginning of the year. Actually, we call it sixth grade survival skills. Yes. I mean, literally, <laughs> we have a theme and it's called sixth grade survival. And, and we try to put humor into the fact that you may forget your locker combination and that's okay because your homeroom teacher has it and we can help you get it all figured out again. So. <laughs> It's, it's really kind of a, it's a neat experience, but it is definitely something that children have to learn, and, and it's a learning experience for everyone. That's interesting, because a, a student isn't just a student at any level. They are different, and certainly oh, yes. that, that uh, move from elementary life, where I think a lot of, a lot of uh, well, maybe even staff uh, and parents look at them as still babies, uh, to some extent. Yeah, and in middle um, into the, the middle school. Go ahead, Paul. No, I was going to say in middle school, it's really three different schools because your sixth graders are still really like elementary mm-hmm. coming in. Now, by the time the year ends, they've transitioned a little. Seventh grade, they're still trying to figure out who they are, what they are mm-hmm. in seventh because everything's changing. And then by eighth grade, they already think they're high school. So you have the three grades in three different distinct uh, personalities and needs. <laughs> Distinct well, needs. And and I agree with that same uh, characteristic of 6th, 7th, and 8th graders. In fact, I think some people looking into middle school would think that 8th graders are more difficult to teach. But the truth is that the 7th graders, because of their emotional needs of what they are just going experiencing physically, are more challenging than any other grade level. Yes, I agree. Uh, yes. 6th um, graders have to learn seven teachers a day and how to manage seven wow. different classes and manage their books and their locker and my lunch and an instrument if they decide to play something. I mean, they have a lot that they have to learn how to do. To a lot of change. O- a lot of change. And even to organize themselves to get ready to go home in the afternoon. Mm. Uh, because most of them can't come back if they forget something. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. it's just real interesting. And they've got if they don't have what they need in their locker, then they have to stop and think, what room was I in? <sighs> Seven different places in the building. It's really it's amazing to watch children walk in with their eyes as big as half dollars, and some of them are smiling. Some of them are look terrified. I'll, I'll use the word terrified. <laughs> Um, some of them are just kind of numb from the whole experience. And then within a week or two weeks, it's impressive to see the difference in the looks on their faces as they have learned to manage. But I do want to say, and I'm sure Paul experiences the same thing, our faculty is so in tune with you can't teach a child something until they get themselves settled. Mm. That they work so hard to support children in any concern that they have so that that child can get the, their schedule, their, what they need to do during the day settled. Get the emotional side of it right. worked out. And that's yes. a big one in middle school, the emotional side, mm-hmm. uh, because they are developing, going through changes physically, emotionally and everything. And like Laura said, with the teachers, they know that and they know what they're doing and, you know. That's why a sixth grade teacher is really good in sixth grade, might not be great in eighth grade because they're different in each grade level. You can't just move teachers around. You know, a seventh grade teacher, as Laura said, seventh grade is the hardest year of any year. For the is, student. For the student is the hardest year. Uh, and once you get those teachers in their niche, 
you just let them work because they know what they're doing. And so that's what happens from January until June is getting those right teachers in the right places so that when the kids get there, they know what they're doing with the children and uh, make it happen, make the magic happen. That has got to be a quite a challenge for a principal to have to find the right fit for each level. I mean, that's, well, first of all, who among us ever said they enjoyed middle school? I don't <laughs> think anybody would raise their hand on that one. But to try to find those staff members who not only are good at teaching their subject, but who go the extra mile and look after the individual, the human being that's seated in front of them. That that says something special about middle school teachers, right? Yes, it does. I, I, absolutely. I think um, I've had the pleasure, and truthfully, 28 years ago, I wouldn't have said pleasure because I thought of myself as a teacher in a different level of working in middle school. I so appreciate the fact that as an educator with middle school children, you have the opportunity to truly have an impact on all aspects of their life and that you as an adult have an opportunity to show an example of what a responsible adult can look like to a child, and they actually might pay attention, different from other levels where I've taught, where they're already, their mindset is already established, and they've kind of made life decisions. Middle schoolers are looking for guidance, mm, and that's yes. when uh, we as a faculty talk, we talk not only about how can we help children learn academically, because that's our job, we're educators, we're supposed to teach content. Mm-hmm. But we have this opportunity to talk about social health and emotional health. And we as educators have the opportunity to set an example and help children understand so much more about life than just school. But if they can understand about life, then school comes easier. Amen. Wow. So being a a middle school teacher then must be really gratifying. But when you can see these positive impacts the the malleable minds in front of them uh succeeding right it is for me it 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 is again i'd never thought of myself as a middle school person uh and cobb county placed me there hired me there and i am forever grateful for having had this experience knowing that i've had the opportunity to work with so many children and had the opportunity to help them understand why they're upset and is this really something that warrants that kind of upset or is it just confusion and we can help Mm. your day be better yeah and if i can if i can impact a child by helping their day be better through the middle school experience then that to me is such a rewarding time i agree and uh i see middle school as the opportunity to light a spark in students eyes um for their future, because this is when they start thinking about the life beyond school and they don't have to decide right away, but they've got to have some opportunities because the further up the ladder in high school, then the opportunities start narrowing based on their performance in school. So we try to teach that to the students and give them choices uh, through after school programs and different things to open up their eyes to the world that's out there and using technology to uh, Skype to different places and see different places that they may not have traveled. 
But middle school is that vehicle that we can touch the lives. And, you know, when you have kids to come back that have graduated from high school or are in high school and share their memories with you and make the point to come back to middle school and yeah. visit either teachers or leaders, then you know, okay, it's worth it on those days where you struggle, you know, it's worth it. But the beginning of the school is where you want to set that tone for the rest of the year and, you know, start off with a big bang. So we're, we're planning some things. Well, okay. Now you have mentioned setting the tone and uh, perhaps that's a good way to bring us back to the focus of this, which is day one. So when parents are preparing their students for that first day back into school, or, or as you mentioned uh, a, a moment ago, Laura, that uh, a sixth grader who is rising uh, from fifth grade to, to go to middle school for the first time, what can parents do to help make that first day go more easily, more smoothly, more uh, low stress than it otherwise would? Well, I know Laura had mentioned about having camps during the summer for the rising sixth graders. We did also. So I would hope that the parents had taken advantage of that. Also, we will have meet and greets scheduled right before school starts uh, so that they can come up and visit the school, get their schedule, kind of see what's going on. Students that didn't get to come during the summer, uh, they can come up with their parents, take a tour of campus go to their classes, see where their classes are, so that on the first day of school, they have it in their mind where they're going. Um, and I would just, you know, say on that first day, parents just need to, you know, reassure their kids, everything's going to be great, uh, just be upbeat and positive. And then when they drop them off, make sure they understand that they're going to drop them off. And it's not like elementary where you can walk them to their room. <laughs> You're going to drop them off in our care. And uh, I, I'm sure Laura hasn't, but I haven't lost a child yet. So uh, I'm, I'm assuring, you know, that the parents, if they can just reassure, you know, we're going to, you're going to be fine and uh, we're going to drop you off there, but to make sure they made themselves familiar with the, the, the school. Yeah. Certainly knowing where you're going is, mm -hmm. is a big stress relief right there. And that's one of the things, uh, while we won't have our campus open, we also are very concerned about children knowing where they're going. Uh, and we, too, uh, request that parents drop their children off. In fact, you know, we kind of encourage strongly that the child needs to learn how to walk from the front door to their classroom. And they, we have faculty all along the way to guide. Yes. And then um, it, it's really critical, I think, that students get up the first morning of school prepared to walk out the door, which to me means they don't need a huge book bag full of things. They might need paper and pencil, and they need to know, are they buying lunch or are they taking their lunch? And all that needs to be gathered together in a place so that when they walk out the door, they didn't start the day running around trying to figure out how do I organize myself. They need mm. to get that done because when they come to school under the best of circumstances, they're going to meet, you know, our sixth graders that first day meet five new teachers and they have to figure out five new classrooms. And so if they can just start their day organized, it's going to get a little frazzled across the day. Mm. But everyone is helping them get through the hallway and do what they need to do. And the hope is that at the end of the day, they look at each other and go, all right, high five. <laughs> I am I am here. I know where I am. And cross I know where I'm finish line. I cross that finish line. Yes, <laughs> I totally agree with Laura on that one. Uh, you know, we have supply lists out for our students and it's on our website and everything. 
they don't need that the first day of school. So yeah. don't parents don't panic, panic if you haven't gotten everything. <laughs> uh, you know, like Laura said, paper, pencil, pretty good on the first day of school. Some take some notes. Um, they'll be bringing more stuff home from the school <laughs> than they will be bringing oh, to sure. school. So just make it simple for the students. Just bring your pencil and your paper. Don't worry about all the bags of stuff that's on the supply list. Just bring the, you know, the necessities that first day, making sure they can get to point A where they're dropped off to point B where their class is. And then they will go from there. But that'll let less stress on the students Absolutely. on that first day. And, and it sounds like, uh, Laura, you, you mentioned uh, starting your day off well by preparing in advance is mm-hmm. probably the wisest thing you could do because that's, that's something you can control in the day. Right. It helps alleviate the stress. I'm sure you guys would probably give uh, uh, probably the uh, same advice that the folks in the elementary schools give, and that is make sure that the kids get enough sleep beforehand and uh, a a good breakfast, and that helps as well. Middle schools do not have ASP anymore. Have you ever had had parents (laughs) forget that and leave their kid at school? Yes, we have. (laughs) And, you know, after a few phone calls, you know, we were able to get the child home, but we don't have ASP. Now, we we do at Griffin open early in the mornings. Uh, we are a Title I school, and because of that, we have funding that we open at 745 in the morning, but classes don't start until 915. So we have uh, cafeteria, study hall, and tutoring and intramurals going on in the morning. So parents okay. can drop them off early. Uh-huh. They just have to be gone by 430 in the afternoon. That's kind of important. A working parent needs to keep that in mind. Yes. The, the transition from fifth grade to sixth grade, I'm sure it's one of those things. It's interesting. Uh, we have something similar. We don't open quite as early. We open it at eight o'clock because we do have the intramural program and we have help sessions and we have, uh, we don't necessarily have any clubs that meet in the morning, but we do have opportunities for children. We have band and orchestra yeah. and when all of, when all of the stuff gets started, opportunities for children and if not then they can go to the theater and they actually have a supervised study hall they can go to the media center and then we do have breakfast that starts we don't have after school in the afternoon and we have occasionally had a parent a little confused about that when they're used to having that in an elementary school our foundation does offer something twice a week um, for students and they we have Somewhere around 30 students typically, but that goes through the foundation. That's an opportunity that they offer for schools. We call it Skills for Success, and the children stay two afternoons a week under teacher care and try to get their homework done and do some different organization kinds of things in the afternoon. You know, and we've talked about an after-school program or different things, and, and you know, that's, I think that's a conversation that's kind of up in the air because children realistically at that age are allowed to go home and be home for a certain amount of time without an adult there. Mm -hmm. I say that difficult. I I don't like the thoughts of a kid going home and, and having no one there, but it can happen and it does happen. And, and middle school children are considered old enough to do that. So I don't know. That would be a, that's an interesting concept, but right now there is no after school program in middle school. No, and I will have three sons in middle school in Cobb County this year at Pine Mountain, and I'm thankful so that all three of them can go home and no after school program this year. So, as a parent of one rising sixth grader and two seventh graders, uh, I I'm glad we don't have ASP this year. Parent involvement. Uh, 
PTSA, I, I know in the elementary schools, PTA is a, a big thing. And when you move into the middle school, I understand we add the S, the student side of that. Tell us a little bit about the PTSA and the role that it plays in the community of your, your school, Laura. I think sometimes people don't realize how critical a well-functioning PTSA is to a school. They provide that kind of support to the faculty and to students that is kind of behind the scenes. Uh, and people don't always realize that that's the PTSA stepping forward and doing something for your students. For example, I was working on the master calendar before I came over here this morning and was looking at Red Ribbon Week and mm-hmm. and Anti-Bullying Week and College and Career. And PTSA steps forward and helps all, the, all of those things happen. Uh, this past year, we were celebrating our 25th anniversary at Hightower Trail. And the PTSA came up with an idea called Quarters for a Cause. Everything we did was trying to round the number 25. And the kids were just, they made it a grade level competition. And the kids brought in quarters and dropped them in these big jars. And then they gave that money to, um, they gave it to one of the fire stations that was close to us. And they gave it to different charitable organizations. And the kids thought it was really cool. Um, The PTSA totally ran it. The PTSA runs a store in our school that offers just basic supplies and then some other little goody items that you see around occasionally in the classroom. But the PTSA is quietly behind the scenes supporting us as we go throughout our year. Uh, I just um, am grateful. They also do things. They have uh, teacher grants. Our foundation has teacher grants. The PTSA does teacher grants for innovative kinds of ideas that Teachers might want to apply in the classroom, um, plus the fact that they just they help organize all of the volunteer, the front office volunteers, the the learning commons volunteers. When we have specialty lunch kinds of things, they, they organize all of that for us. And that since all of it happens behind the scenes, I don't think parents necessarily right. know that the PTSA is that involved, but they are, and they are critical. That, that involvement in that organization takes that kind of thing off the plate and allows us to be what we need to be in the, in the school. So I, I am so grateful for the PTSA and their involvement at, at my building or in any building and what they offer to the school. And they are so quiet because it's almost mm-hmm. like a covert operation. It is. It is. It is. It is. A lot of parents don't, don't understand that they <laughs> still actually do have a PTA or PTSA mm-hmm. in middle schools. Oh, yes. And, and it's needed. And it's needed in middle and also in high. Uh, coming from a high school level uh, administration, Um, it's needed there. But in middle school, we need a lot of support still. Uh, There's a lot of things, you know, that Laura mentioned that we have, like the school store and different things of that nature. Ours also are, we're the Wildcats. So we have the copycats and it's parents that volunteer to come into the copy room, make copies for teachers. It doesn't sound like a whole lot, but the teachers really do appreciate that. That gives them more time to plan and collaborate and work with the kids. Um, We also, our PTSA runs a food bank at our school. We feed over 20 families a month, and the PTSA runs that. Uh, They get the food from us ministries. They sort it out. They're there when the families come in and pick the food up and everything. So no one would really know about that except for the PTSA. Um, They are the unsung heroes. Mm -hmm. Uh, I wish we could honor all of them that volunteer. Um, And, you know, they keep our school running and 
um, doing field day and everything. Um, one of the big helps at our school is we have to do uh, hearing and vision testing. And if we were to take all the teachers out of the classrooms to make sure that that happened, then education wouldn't be going on. Learning wouldn't be happening. But with parent volunteers, we're able to keep the teachers in the classroom, do the hearing and vision screenings, and the school co- continues. So the uh, volunteer service like traffic management and trying to make sure everybody is tested. and Yes, support. and they even help with the testing. They go through training here at the county on uh-huh. what to do and everything, and they help monitor the training, and, and it just takes a burden off of the teachers. Um, because, again, if the teachers had to do that, then education stops right then until that's done because it's a mandate from the uh, federal government that we have to do that hearing and vision. And so, you know, people don't understand that. It takes people to do that. Exactly. Volunteer looks different in middle school than it is in elementary school. When you volunteer in a middle school, you're not necessarily in the classroom. And that's one of the things I think that parents are so used to with an elementary environment is I'm volunteering to help with centers in the classroom or do something like that. Mm -hmm. But we need volunteers the PTSA, getting the volunteers in the front office, they are the face of my school. They, yes. they set the tone for when anyone walks into the front office. That is a critical component of what the PTSA does in, in our building. So while, while the volunteer looks different, the, the necessity of having that person is just as critical to the high-functioning or well-functioning of the school. It's no less important. Yes, And I like to tell our parents, um, you know, Griffin is your school. I'm just blessed to be able to lead it for a while. But it's your school. Make it what you want it to be, and I'll help guide it along the way. So the more you're there and the more you're doing, the better our school is going to be. For the most part, they have stepped up to the challenge, and uh, our uh, PTSA involvement and our foundation involvement has improved. And so we just want to continue, like Laura said, they're the face of the school when they're there in the front office greeting people and everything, and that's what we want. At the elementary school level, and you touched on this a little bit, Laura, uh, the, uh, the notion of being in the classroom for a parent is, is a bigger thing for elementary as opposed to middle. Is it uh, something where parents are not welcomed in the middle school classroom, or is it that things go well enough without the parents in the middle school classroom as opposed to maybe an elementary school? For us, I'm thinking particularly I'm thinking about science class. You know, um, students do lots of labs in science class. A sixth grade student in particular, given instruction from the teacher, should be capable of taking the lab sheet and functioning on their own with the teacher walking around the classroom. If they're not at the beginning of the year, the goal is is that they are by the end of the year. So it's not that parents aren't welcome. It's a growth mechanism for their child to take responsibility for the fact of my academic learning is what it really boils right. down to. There, but we do have, I'm thinking particularly now about seventh grade science, uh, being life science, They have we have a lovely nature trail and we do this thing called Week in the Woods where the kids are out all along the nature trail functioning and doing different kinds of labs. Under those circumstances, we absolutely thank you, parents, because we want a parent at each station because we can't see all the kids because they're all along the nature trail. 
And two, we want parents in on field day and, and different classes. Kind of a safety thing. It, it is more of a safety thing. But children should be able to, in middle school, take a sheet and function on yes. their own or be responsible enough to ask questions of the teacher to get information that they might not understand. Yeah, and another point, in elementary, the majority of your time, you're in the same classroom with the same teacher. So parents volunteer as homeroom parents. You know, for that class. Well, in middle school, you're moving from teacher to teacher. And as Laura equated a while ago, you could have seven different classes, seven different teachers. So it's not like you're coming up volunteering all day for that one class. Uh, There are opportunities to volunteer and we welcome parents to be volunteers in the school and in classrooms when it's appropriate, as Laura was talking about. But it's just communicating and letting us know, yes, we would love to come volunteer, and then we will put you in contact with the the teachers that are requesting volunteers. And through the PTSA is the best mechanism or vehicle to use because the PTSA knows what our needs are because we have regular meetings with the board of PTSA, and we're communicating. We have this coming up. We're going to need some volunteers. I would suggest that parents need to uh, join PTSA so that they get those newsletters so they know the opportunities to volunteer. And so they're in that know. The communication is the key, uh, both for the parents communicating with us, letting us know they want to, and us communicating with them. Here are the opportunities. And and PTSA is also a way to make sure you know who these people are. Yes. Right? Yes. Because you don't want anyone just walking into the front office saying, hey, I want to volunteer to Watch some kids. No, we <laughs> have to check sure it out. Know, vet it. Know yes. who they are. That's true. Okay, going back to the the first day, is there anything that you, you feel like we may have left out? I know elementary they talk about uh, traffic patterns. Is is that really a, a an issue on the first day for middle school, or uh, what's your recommendation? It will be for us. We're changing a traffic pattern. So if you're rising sixth graders, it won't be because you don't know the old traffic pattern. So we'll educate you on that first day of school and that first week. I would just say the key is to check our website regularly. We update it weekly, sometimes daily. So check that. Uh, But other than that, just get your child some rest, have a notebook and pencil, and we'll see them on the first day. Okay. What about you, Laura? I, too, would say you need to go to our website because we keep it updated as to what things are happening and what things that are going on. I, I have to laugh thinking about you're changing your traffic pattern. Traffic pattern at my school is a daily headache. I am so grateful for the transportation that Cobb County offers to our students. And uh, we've not lost one on the bus yet either. Okay, so, uh, you know, put your kids on the bus and get them to school and uh, try to avoid our front loop at all costs. <laughs> It's, yes. It's, it's, uh, ride the bus. Ride the bus. Ride the bus. The bus is the best. The bus is it's the best. best. It's absolutely the best. Laura Montgomery and Paul Gillahan, thank you so much for taking the time to join us in the podcast. Uh, parents, you can learn more about your school, as they said, by going to your school's website. And the way you can find the school's website, the best way, is to go to the school district's homepage at www.cobk12.org. That's C-O-B-B-K-1-2.org. And click on the school's menu at the top. Be sure to save that as a favorite or a bookmark. You'll certainly find that handy as you go through the school year and uh, probably end up referring back to it several times if you're like me. Thank you for joining us on this edition of The Inside Scoop. 
You've been listening to The Inside Scoop, a podcast produced by the Cobb County School District. Thank you.